0: Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds on 103.7 The Buzz every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4. You can check it out and a lot more at 103.7thebuzz.com. Folks, that was horrible last night. That was absolutely horrendous in every way, shape, and form. And you know what I'm talking about. The Arkansas Razorback basketball team on the road to Tennessee Loses by a final score of 82 to 61, a 21 point loss for the Razorbacks. And there is a lot to try to dive into and try to figure out from this game. But honestly, when when I look at all of the factors that went into it, it, that was just something I'd never expected to see. I felt like this team, no matter what, even if they were going to lose, which they were going to lose games, let's be honest, but even when they were going to lose, I always felt like they were at least going to be competitive in every game just because of the way they were built. Well, this was the first game of the season where not only Arkansas wasn't competitive at the end, they weren't competitive in the game at all. Arkansas was down by 17 points at halftime, and it didn't really get better. I guess it kind of got better because... Instead of only scoring 23 points in the first half, you scored 38 points in the second half. Problem was, Tennessee scored 40 and 42, respectively, in both halves. It was just a great game by them. And when I'm looking at the box score, usually there's one thing you can point to and indicate, okay, well, this is why Arkansas lost. But I think this is going to be an easy one for today. Simply, field goal percentage. Field goal percentage. Arkansas shot 49 shots. Tennessee shot 53. So pretty close. But Tennessee made 26 of their 53. That's 49%. Arkansas made 15. 15 field goals made. That's 30%. Arkansas got to the free throw line a lot more than Tennessee. 36 to 30 as far as attempts go. Arkansas shot from three decently, five of 16, Tennessee made one more, 6 of 16, so it was fairly balanced there. Even if you look at the reboundings, Tennessee only out-rebounded Arkansas by 11, but a lot of that has to do with when you don't miss shots, there's not opportunities for rebounds. So overall, it was just it was a bad game. Bad game, worst game. That could not be any worse than what we saw. And this is where it's starting to get concerning because now, there, where's this bounce back? Where's this bounce back that would happen in other games and in previous games? Mason Jones did not start. He came off the bench. Eric Musselman said it had something to do with wanting a spark because they have their slow starts. Okay. But when he came in, he didn't really provide any spark or anything. He went one of ten from the field on the day. Six of six from the free throw line, but he only scored nine points. But six of those points were off free throws. He had two assists and two rebounds, three turnovers. It's just awful Basketball. The guy that really scored the most for Arkansas was Jimmy Witt. He went four of 13. He had 19 points, but 11 of 16 from the free throw line. So 11 points of his free throws was free throws for him. Same thing with Desi Sills. He had 11 points, but five of eight from the free throw line. Desi Sills shot the ball 14 times, made two. Jimmy Witt shot it 13 times, made four. Now, Dredgie Chaney was, to me, the lone bright spark of this team where he played 20 minutes. He scored ten points, went four of four from the field, two of three from the free throw line, and also pulled down six rebounds, had two assists, and one steal. That was a good game out of him. Now he had four fouls, but that's kind of expected these days with the big men down low for Arkansas. But it was just—it was a game where they could not get anything going. They looked completely and totally out of sorts. They looked like they couldn't figure out what who was supposed to do what. They were falling all over the place. They were tripping over each other. It's just, it, it's hard to imagine that this was the same basketball team that we saw just a mere two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I know Isaiah Joe being out is is bad and it hurts, but like that, Tennessee's fourteen and ten. It's not like they're just dominating the realm in, in the SEC. I mean, they were five and five, one game behind or above Arkansas, but there was no reason for what we saw. I mean, we actually started seeing guys get more significant minutes. Guys like Ethan Henderson, he got 17 minutes. Jintal Silla got 19 minutes. Jamario Bell got in the game for five minutes. And we're talking about not in garbage time either. He got into the game. committed two fouls, but he did get a rebound at least and two blocks. So there's that. But it was just a very alarming game for me. Because now I'm starting to wonder is this team capable of getting back to the NCAA tournament? Are they capable of making this all get better and get back on track the way it's supposed to be? Are they capable of that? I'm not totally sure right now. I have a bad feeling in my stomach that this is going to continue this trend where the schedule, again, doesn't get any easier. they got Mississippi State at home this weekend. Doesn't get any easier. So it's a matter of what do you do now? Where do you go from here? Is is this a fixable issue? Is it as simple as getting Isaiah Joe back? Is, is it that? I don't know. But Arkansas's performances over the past few games have not been good in any way, shape, or form. And now, just now, it feels like the NCAA tournament is a pretty far goal at this point. Arkansas 16-8. and eight. They can still, they got plenty of games to get there, but they gotta go on about a three or four game win streak here. No more of this win one game, lose two type stuff. That can't happen. You gotta you gotta get on a winning streak here. Maybe it can start against Mississippi State this weekend. Maybe it can start when you get Isaiah Joe back, which sounds like it's gonna be next week. Maybe that'll all happen. But as of right now, what we're seeing can't happen. Can't happen in, in any stretch. So let's see what this team does and how they respond. I'm still faithful and still have faith that Eric Musselman and this team can get there. But whatever they're doing now ain't working. And I don't know if it's tired legs. Maybe that's a part of it too. But Tennessee made Arkansas look like a very below average team. And Tennessee themselves are a very average team. They got to get it going. They got to get it going right now. Or any sort of postseason hope maybe going down the drain quicker and even faster than when it came earlier in the season when we thought that this team was an NCAA tournament team. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. I'm right, moving on into the next segment of the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Uh, on my show yesterday, I got a chance to speak with Sam Pittman. The head coach of Arkansas and uh, of Arkansas football should be more specific, but you guys all know that. You guys aren't stupid. You know who he is. Uh, I got a chance to talk with him and discuss some of the cool things that they're trying to do in the spring with some of the focuses that they're going to have. And I think it's great that, first off, he has been so open to going on to do radio shows, one on one interviews, all of that fun stuff. Because I like the transparency. I like the honesty. I like how he approaches things. Now, it may not be for everybody because some people may find it a little bit boring to listen to at times with him. And that's fine because he's not, he's not trying to go out there and get everybody hyped up on a train because, he, you know, he's Sam Pittman. That's just his personality. No, that's not the case. What is the case is that he is a coach that is blue-collar. He even said that. He's a blue-collar coach. This is a blue-collar state, and he wants to be a blue-collar team. That's what he wants to have. And honestly, I feel like that's the best thing for Arkansas to have at this point. And another quote that he had, I know it got a lot of traction from people yesterday on social media. He says, quote, we are a non-cliche group. We are just real with the kids and don't sugarcoat anything. We communicate with our guys all the time to make sure they understand what is going on with our program. Now, two things stand out from that quote to me, folks. We have a coach at Arkansas. That when he says he's non-cliche, means that he is not about, not about it at all. Going out there and doing cool, cool little hashtags and phrases and all that nonsense just to appease people, just to get a cool social media graphic. That's not who he is. It's not who he wants to be. He wants to be a guy who just he wants to coach football. He's an old school guy, a guy that's not and that's not a bad thing if he's an old school guy because old school guys can still make it work. But he's just a coach that loves coaching football and loves coaching fundamentals and being disciplined. He doesn't need the full-tilt-boogie, hashtag-uncommon-type nonsense. I know people say, well, he does the yes-sir thing. It's like, yeah, but that wasn't him creating it. That was more of him having a little thing to do with his the guys he was recruiting, and they kind of adopted it themselves, where they kept saying yes-sir, just like he kept saying yes-sir. That wasn't Sam Pittman thrusting it down everyone's throats and going to the social media department at the U of A or at Georgia, wherever he's at, and saying, hey, 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 guys, make up some graphics of this yes, sir thing. I think it's pretty cool. No, he didn't do that. He is blue collar, and that's what this team needs. It's what this program needs. No more cliches. No more talking about what you're going to do the most explosive offense. None of that. Stop. Get out there and play football. Play football. Because once you start doing that, You'll start winning games. And when you start winning games, that's when people will jump on board with you. That's when people will start believing that you're the guy for the job. That's it. Just go out there, play football, coach football, win some games, and you're back. You don't need cliches to get people on board because you know what's the best form of branding? Winning. Winning. It's the best form of it. And the other thing that he came out from that quote is when he's saying that we communicate with our guys all the time to make sure that they understand what is going on in our program. What that tells me, and this is just me spitballing here, but what that tells me is that Sam Pittman came into this program and probably met with, and I don't know, probably, he did, he met with every single player on the roster. And I'm sure he sat him down and said, guys, what is it that you want out of me? What is the main thing you want me and my staff to make sure you guys have that you're happy, that you're you're excited, that you're buying in? What is the main thing? And I bet you anything that these players said, Coach, we need, we need communication. We need you to talk to us. We need you to meet with us. We need you to be in our ears, not every single day because that's difficult to do it, but we need you just to be a part of us and a part in that relationship where we're not constantly wondering where you are or what you're doing, or why we never see you. Because if you remember, folks, that was one of the things that came out after the fact from Chad Morris when he got fired is a lot of the players felt like they never saw him. He, he would go on to these press conferences and say one thing, but in practices and everything, he'd do another because no one knew who he was or what he was doing. Like They were like, who is this guy? Why should we even care if he's not even talking to me? I had a particular player, I won't use his name because he asked me not to, but I had a particular player tell me that it was like months That he felt like he ever had a meaningful conversation with Chad Morris. In fact, you can't have that. And so Sam Pittman telling us that yesterday on the show tells me that that's something the players really wanted. And that's something that Sam Pittman is really good at. And he's going to do whatever it takes and do his best to make sure that they have openness in the program. That there's not a constant wondering of where he's at or anything like that. He's going to go out, and he's going to make, make sure everybody knows that he's the head coach and that he cares about him. That goes a long way. A long way. I don't know if he, if Sam Pittman's going to be a guy that gets a job done at a high level, but what I do know is I like what he's doing and I like the things he's saying. It's worth something at this point. It's also feel like he's <laughs> he's a football guy, big football guy. In fact, yesterday he told me, That if he wasn't coaching football, he'd probably be an Olympic swimmer. He joked. But then he'd say, after that, I'd probably be selling cars. Thought that was kind of strange. But then I started thinking about it. Sam Pittman would, would sell cars if he wasn't coaching football? Why? Of all things, selling cars? Why would he do that? Simple. He's a guy that likes building relationships. He's a guy that likes talking to people. And he likes to be able to sell people on something great. He believes that what he has at Arkansas is great. And he believes that he can sell people on it. He's just gotta put the plan in motion and execute it. And that, my friends, is when Arkansas football will be right back on the map. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, final segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. It's amazing, folks, that at this point in time, Razorback baseball starting up this weekend. Dave Van Horn has announced what the starting rotation will be for this weekend series. Of course, the weather is going to be not that great just just to be honest. But hey, look, listen, it's February. What did you expect? Uh, but Connor Nolan's going to be getting the nod. On Friday. That's big time. And then you got Wicklander, of course, getting the nod on Saturday. Not surprising there that those are the two Friday and Saturday guys. And then Adams, the freshman, getting the start on Sunday versus Eastern Illinois. This is going to be an electric year. I can't wait. I I know baseball's been great the past two years and going to the College World Series and should have been winning them. That's all well and good. But this year there's kind of a lot of new faces, but mixed in with some old. That gets me excited about Because you still have Heston Kirschdad. I mean, who's, who's a, just a, a force? You still got Casey Martin. You still got some guys on the team that have been around for a while and have been just ballers. But now in the pitching staff, you got some guys that had a little bit of experience last year, but it was always about Isaiah Campbell. But now you got Connor Noland. You know, you got Patrick Wicklander. You got two guys right there in your Friday and Saturday starters that had some good experience last year as freshmen. Now they got to step up and be the guys that are going to carry this team back to the College World Series. I think they can do it. I'm excited about it. I know we're going to talk a lot of baseball once baseball season moves around. But it should be a lot of fun, and I know everyone's looking forward to it as well. Well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We will keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel. Tomorrow afternoon, have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.